Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with David Branker. David began his career with a leading credit card company until God called him to full-time gospel ministry. He was ordained and served as an executive pastor at a large multi-site church. He served strategically in an international church planting organization. And in 2014, he joined One Hope, a global ministry headquartered out of South Florida as chief of staff to the office of the president. In this episode, given his role and experience in both the corporate world and in ministry, David will talk to us about leading from the second chair. You will want to take notes. So get ready, leaders, and let's get started. We are back, everybody. It's another episode of the Avail podcast where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. Where are you leading? How are you leading? Who are you leading? And how do we do this well? That's what we talk about here on the Avail Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages. Your host for these weekly leadership podcasts right here on Avail. And I got an amazing guest today. He's actually a friend. He's a brother in Christ. He's a fellow warrior in God's army and kingdom. David Branker. David, it is so good to have you here on the Avail podcast to talk leadership. How are you feeling, brother? I'm feeling great, Virgil. I am so privileged to be able to join you <laughs> on this podcast. Today. By the way, my full name is David Ignacio Branker. Oh, David uh, Ignacio Branker. <laughs> That's how I would say it in Spanish. Uh, Dave, you know what? You're such a blessing to so many of us who know you. Um, you know, in ministry, in the kingdom work that you're doing with One Hope, which I'm sure we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, but we just love the fact that we get to lean in and learn from leaders like yourself. Uh, before we get into the conversation, specifically leading from the second chair, this is something that's in your heart and it's in your wheelhouse. Before we do that, I'd love for our Avail audience to just lean in and get to know you a bit. Can you share a little bit about your story? I would love to. And by the way, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here. The accent you hear, by the way, is from Trinidad. Ooh, I like it. So uh, I was born in Trinidad to a large family. We emigrated to the U.S. and um, started off with a career in software development and uh, first worked for a large credit card company in the South Florida area. Um, just loved it, loved everything about it. And, uh, and But was very active in my church at the time, was one of our core leaders and uh, volunteering, and just uh, everything was going great. And then I was asked to lead a search committee for an executive pastor mm-hmm. for my church. And so we're flying people you know, in from all over the U.S. trying to get the right candidate for a church until the, the lead pastor and his wife took my wife and I, by the way, my wife, um, she's Connie. I have two incredible boys, mm-hmm. Josh and John, we're so proud of. But uh, so he took us, uh, out to a meal and say, oh, David, we just want to talk to you because you've been wasting the church's money. <laughs> and, you know, I was uh, a little shocked. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, God told us that you're the guy. Wow. And so that was my invitation um, to leave, you know, my corporate career wow. and um, be a part of full-time ministry at this church. Wow. That's amazing. And and, and it's it's unbelievable how sometimes uh, the, some of the curves we're not expecting are really God ordained. And, and, and yeah. so this led you into that role. If we fast forward a little bit, what role are you in today? 
So today, I serve as the chief of staff in the office of the president at One Hope. Hmm. Um, so from that role, had a, another opportunity to serve as an executive pastor in a multi-site church with international locations and got involved in some church planting internationally. And that's when I really um, had an encounter with Rob Hoskins, who is the president. And it was one of those moments again, hmm. you know, um, we're meeting, I believe I was hosting a group of of Chinese leaders coming over to the U.S. trying to understand the multi-site model. Hmm. And uh, after the meeting, Rob said, hey, can I take you to the airport? And I thought, Virgil, man, I must have said something inappropriate, (laughs) (laughs) some missiological error in in the conversation. He goes, no, you know, we've been praying for a chief of staff role and the Holy Spirit really dropped in my heart that you're the guy. And so that was my invitation into One Hope. And um, that's what I have been doing. And I have to tell you, that is the greatest honor in my life to be able to come serve alongside Rob and our incredible leadership team here at One Hope. I love So that's what I'm doing today. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, uh, for those who don't know about One Hope, we're going to be sharing more about how you can uh, learn more. But it's an amazing it's an amazing Christian ministry organization that's reaching It's reaching a lot, a lot of people in a lot of places, especially children. Um, I I love it. Can you just share with us the, just the, the mission statement of One Hope? Absolutely. At One Hope, you know, we, we believe God has called us to affect destiny by providing God's word to children and youth around the world. And, um, we're, we're so honored that God has allowed us to be a part of providing um, his word to 2 billion children Wow! Um, to date since our inception. And so in February, we celebrate the, the 2 billion child. Wow. And uh, by the way, One Hope directly realizes we can't do this on our own. Mm. We do it through the local church. And so we um, come alongside, we collaborate, we partner with churches around the world to be able to provide God's word to children. And uh, so that's why in our heart, we, we bleed local church, Virgil. Mm. We love local church. And um, so grateful to be here to talk to pastors mm-hmm. and ministry leaders um, who also share a passion for the church and for God's word. That's so that's so good. I, I think that this conversation is going to be huge for a lot of reasons. Uh, and specifically, what God put on your heart is, is to talk about leading from the second chair. Obviously, given your current role and your history, um, I know both in the secular world and in faith-based organizations, uh, this has kind of become, this is your wheelhouse. This is where you've, where you've been able to really grow uh, and lean in. So, so can, you, can you maybe share, you mentioned you're the chief of staff to the office of the president at One Hope. Uh, wh- what do you do? What, what's your role? And, and, and for people that are maybe in this kind of second chair. Yeah, yeah that's a mouthful. Right, it, it doesn't always fit quite nicely on the business card, but I really serve in a support capacity to the president, um, who happens to be, as you know, Virgil, mm-hmm. a highly visionary leader. Yep. And so, um, my role is a bit of an air traffic controller, um, <laughs> following through on project assignments, uh, following through on ideas that come from him. But the what I also get to do because of his visionary nature, he has. He's an, he's an ideator, right? Um, and so we realize 
that when you have a large organization that's so focused on reaching children and youth around the world, these ideas that for Rob pretty much comes weekly <laughs> could really be disruptive to an organization. So my role is to incubate some of those ideas, mostly new, um, usually complex, um, that require his proximate or his direct involvement. So it's a way in which we have protected sort of the organization from being disrupted, but incubation means to me that we want to develop them, we want to figure out, okay, yeah. is this something we can pursue? Is this something that makes sense for our mission? And if we do, then we try to develop it so that they can be transitioned or released into the organization, into a leader mm. as soon as possible. Or if it's one of those ideas that doesn't fit the wheelhouse, we want to kill it sure. as quickly as possible, right? <laughs> um, so... So that's what I do. It's a cross-disciplinary type role. I get to do with a lot of innovative things and uh, just love, love the opportunity to serve him and to serve our incredible organization. Yeah, you know, I, th that, I, I love this. I think depending on the type of organization or ministry that somebody's in, it, th this role might have a different name. <laughs> you know, we're talking about using that term of kind of second chair leader. Yes. Um, some people might say right hand. Another might say, you know, executive yeah. pastor. Uh, yeah. what, what What's the best way to think about this role and position? My assumption is any organization that's wanting to do something that's going to impact significantly needs somebody in this chair. And, and what would you say is maybe the right way to kind of think about and approach this position? So I think all of those terms you used, Virgil, are spot on. <laughs> um, but a second chair leader is essentially a person in a subordinate role whose influence with others adds value to the organization. That's good. That, that's who they are. So you don't have to be the number two person in an organization's hierarchy to be a second chair leader. So for the purposes of this conversation, I, I really want us to think about this second chairperson um, as anyone outside of the primary leader mm -hmm. who adds value to the organization. So John Maxwell, in his, in his award-winning book, 360-degree um, leader, he explains that 99% of leadership actually takes place in the middle of the organization. Mm -hmm. Primary leader is really responsible for about 1% of the leadership. So... Second chair leadership really does matter. Yeah. And, and let me add this to, you know, the pastors who are listening in. I think regardless of how big your ministry is or how influential your church is, at the end of the day, Virgil, we are all second chair leaders. We all lead from the second chair in service to Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the church. And so I think that these ideas are not just for those who lead in the middle, but perhaps can serve every one of us who lead in accountability to our leader, who is Jesus Christ. That's that's such a good perspective. And, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, in my role at our church, Vertical Church, as the lead pastor, you know, I, I'm, I'm in this role and position as kind of the lead leader of the organization. Yes. And I can't help but as I'm listening to you, kind of lean in and think, man, man, I, I realize how important it is. The people who are on our team, you know, the people who are in significant roles. I like that you mentioned it's a subordinate, 
um, that has influence with others. And this adds value to the organization. Um, I, th- I think, right. I think this is huge. Um, specifically, let's talk kind of profile qualities, yeah. characteristics, because I don't know that, especially when we're talking about, about the second chair, you know, and, and kind of a high right. level connected yeah. to that lead leader. Mm-hmm. What are some of the qualities and characteristics from your experience that maybe the best and most effective second chair leaders have that are, that are important, especially if a lead leader is thinking, Hey, I, I need somebody in this role. What are some of the things that right. I need to look for? So most definitely, if you're a pastor listening to this, <laughs> and you've probably heard many horror stories about the Absalom spirit right, in the second chair. I was talking to my pastor yesterday, and he's like, are you going to talk about Absalom? I said, probably not. <laughs> I want to talk about perhaps qualities that are, that are needed in this role. And so I want to look at five of them, if we have time to yeah, unpack let's do this it. really quickly. Let me just run through them really quickly. And I would say for my seat, the first one is you need somebody who's trustworthy. At the end of the day, this is a high trust role. Mm-hmm. And here's the nature of trust. Trust is that thing that is built one brick at a time over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, but the nature of trust is that a violation, depending on the nature of that violation, could tear the whole wall down. Mm. And so it's really important that we do our homework in vetting the right person for a second chair role. That's good. So trustworthiness, I would say, is my number one leadership quality. The next one is you need somebody whose identity is grounded not in what they do, but ultimately in their relationship to God. Yeah. So this is not about having a position. This is not about having a title, though second chair leaders have positional leadership in the organization. It is about leveraging influence and it's about stewarding relationships in the organization with those above, with those across, and ultimately in those below, those who you serve within the structure. So mm-hmm. trustworthiness, I would say is number one, somebody who's grounded in their identity with Christ, in Christ, mm-hmm. number two, and thirdly, uh, frankly, you need somebody who's going to get some things done, <laughs> right? Yes. Otherwise, why, why have a second chair? <laughs> um, but you need somebody who's going to embrace that as their God-given assignment. See, at One Hope, one of the first qualifications we look for is people who are called, called to the mission. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking for people who see this role, one, as their God-given assignment and who will pursue it with faithfulness. Because ultimately, they're doing it for the Lord. But these are people who also recognize, remember I talked about getting it done? Yeah. They recognize that faithfulness requires the ongoing pursuit of fruitfulness. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. You're not just looking for somebody who will just hang out. You want to see real fruit. Yep. Real outcomes, right? Coming out of the influence that person brings to the role. And I do believe that at the end of the day, people like you, people like me, your listeners, why did we get into ministry? We didn't get into ministry for a title. Right. We got into ministry because we want to see real life change happen in the lives of mm-hmm. people. And so you want somebody who cares about that mission, somebody who cares about fruitfulness. Yep. Uh, number four, almost done. You want a problem solver. 
Uh-huh. But not just a problem solver by any means necessary. You need a problem solver with organizational and with political intelligence. Nice. Now, I know when I use the word political, Virgil, <laughs> that's become a bit of a dirty word in our culture today. <laughs> but political intelligence is needed. It's needed because this person needs to be able to navigate stakeholder interests. Yep. They need to be able to navigate complex relationships. And they need to know how to make wise decisions. So I would say, scripturally, Samuel is a great example of political intelligence in the Bible, the prophet Mm -hmm. Samuel. See, true political intelligence in ministry is not about seeking to be liked or avoiding difficult conversations. Mm. It's really about following God's leading. And this is what Samuel demonstrated in 1 Samuel chapter 8. You know, it is about following, um, man, he was just appealing to people. Mm. You know, Come on, obey the Lord, you know. Um, God wants to be your king. We're like, we this and we want a king. And what God tells Samuel, hey, remember, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Mm. So understand where your political intelligence is really sourced from. That's good. Um, I heard this quote the other day. It says, you know, the old hymn, Simply to the Cross I Cling. (laughs) Yeah. It goes like, Simply to the Cross I Cling is only half of the gospel. No one is really clinging to the cross who is not at the same time faithfully following Christ Mm. and doing whatever he demands. At the end of the day, you need somebody who is going to follow God, follow the Spirit's leading, and be obedient to that as they pursue their role. And then finally, and very practically in terms of, you know, how do I assess this, these various <laughs> resumes or profiles coming at me? I would say you're looking for a complementary gift mix. Now, I want to share a little bit about how we think about leadership gift mix at One Hope um, in the most sort of simplest typology possible. So we believe that leaders have strengths in one of three ways. You have leaders who are strategists. You have leaders who have who are catalysts mm-hmm. and leaders who are activators, right? Strategists, catalysts, and activators. So Virgil's strategists, you know what they do? They help us get the right things done. Now, we need them. We need good strategists, mm-hmm. but they can't mm-hmm. operate alone. Strategists on their own... <laughs> Nothing gets done, right? Because they'll come up with strategy all day long. And then, you know, we need catalysts. We need people who help things get started. They're like the fire starters, man. They bring energy to the space. A lot of pastors, man, this is their space. They're catalysts. They know how to start movements. (laughs) The problem is you could get something started, but it will all collapse if there's no one to execute against it. (laughs) So not only do you need catalysts, you need activators. And these are people who know how to build a process. They know how to build the roadmap. They know how to get things done. But activators, man, they could give you the best plan, but if they don't have the right strategy to work from, it will yield the wrong results. So I happen to believe each of these three need each other. Yeah. And they complete each other. But an individual may have a mix of them, right? but I've never met anyone who is a 
full on strategist catalyst and activators are the same person. So <laughs> my leader, Rob, is probably one of the greatest strategists I've ever met. But he's also an incredible catalyst. Uh-huh. So I will say he's a strategist catalyst. I am an activator. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm able to function in this role. And then secondly, I'm a strategist. So we complement each other well. And we have other people in the organization that that have more of that catalyst gift. So in, in my in my estimation, a lot of pastors are really strong catalysts first. Yeah. And sometimes need to be strategists second. So I believe what you need to do is find a complementary person so that good. fills in the gaps that are not within your 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 wheel. Because that's what makes us effective. Not, not that we can be superstars in our own, but we're effective together. Whether you're an innovator in ministry, business, or your community, Avail Plus is designed to take you to the next level. What is Avail Plus? It's an exclusive leadership resource that offers access to brand new premium resources like books, study guides, and masterclasses. It's a chance to connect with other leaders on live calls and classes. It's early access to materials no one else has held in their hands. It's the catalyst to your next season of growth as a leader. To find out more about how you can become a member of Avail Plus, head over to theartofleadership.com forward slash avail dash plus. <laughs> wow. This, what you just shared right now, this is worth gold in leadership. First of all, these five qualities, trustworthiness, identity in Christ, um, fruitful or executor, um, problem solver, and then the complementary gift sets. I love that. The strategist, catalyst, actor. I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, David, if you know anybody who's all three in one, send them my way. <laughs> I think I think there's I think there's something key, even as you're talking. I can think of the moments and examples, even in my leadership, where there's been people that are kind of they're all great, but they're all kind of in one category. And we're really, I feel like a lot of times we're missing the, the activators in my experience. Sometimes we're missing the executors, the people who like, who get things that would you agree that that's kind of one of the ones that sometimes might be missing? Oh, absolutely. And, but I do think that, and I fundamentally believe that God sends everything you need in your community. (laughs) Come on. And so sometimes it's about us really discovering the gifts that God has already brought. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, really doing that discovery, that diagnostic to say, hey, we're missing this. Okay, now, Lord, show us, you know, who are you yeah. going to bring to our table? And so when, when Rob invited me to One Hope, it wasn't because he didn't know what he was looking for. He was pretty clear. And he was trusting the Lord to send the right person and I am a fortunate amongst people mm. that um, he invited me to come along and be a part of this credible ministry. I love it. On that note, um, in this role that you've been in, you know, and, and maybe even going back to both kind of in the corporate world, secular and in the faith yeah. space, what are, what, what are some of the most valuable lessons you've learned? What, what are some of the things that you've you've learned that have brought great value to your leadership, to your life, and even I'm, I'm assuming in helping others. Yeah. 
Um, man, that's, that's a great question. And I'm going to answer it in perhaps some strange ways. But, um, you know, as, as I reflect on that really from my life and I think about um, even my role today, you know, one of the first things I was asked to do was write a job description. What do you think is the greatest value you could bring here? <laughs> no other organization has ever asked me to do that. And the first thing I wrote was, I believe one of the things I'm supposed to bring is to amplify the voice of the primary leader. Nice. And add my voice to support the mission. So I'm not just referring to being a yes man or yes woman. If your yes is counterproductive to the mission God has entrusted to you. But I believe um, that you're supposed to serve and amplify the voice of your leader. Good. The other thing I got to tell you that it's high up there has to do with culture. Mm-hmm. So I found most ministry founders, most president CEOs, they're the chief culture architect of the organization that God has entrusted them to lead, right? There's a vision in your heart. There's a people that God has called you to lead and shepherd, yep. Virgil. And so you, you, you understand the culture of that people that God is calling you to. So you're the architect. You build it. The second cheerleader, they've got to be a guardian and a propagator of that culture. That's good. And that's what you need. You need somebody who understands that culture defines who you are as a people. It's your unique fingerprint. It's your the, the fingerprint of your missional community. And, you know, Drucker says culture eats vision for <laughs> breakfast every time. So it's not enough to just have the greatest vision. You know, we're going to win the world through Christ. It's right. actually more important to build a good culture. And you need a second chain leader or second chain leadership that will protect and that will propagate that culture. Um, and then thirdly, at the end of the day, second chair leaders, and for me, I see my primary role as serving the primary leader, the lead leader, mm -hmm. um, and sharing the organizational burden with them. Now, I have my own individual responsibilities that I've been assigned, but my responsibilities don't end there. I have personal responsibility, and I have sh a shared burden for the whole organization. That's good. Because you see, at times in the second chair, depending on where you're positioned, you're going to have to navigate some competing interest. Mm -hmm. Am I going to put my responsibility first or am I going to prioritize what's most important for the organization? And I have to tell you, you always want to defer to the latter. You prioritize what's important to the organization first and you take care of your personal responsibility. And I believe that's it's, it's about seeing yourself in a role of sharing the burden. When mm. when Pedro charged Moses and said, hey, what you're doing? It's, <laughs> it's not healthy, bro, <laughs> right? He goes, you need some other leaders mm. to come share that leadership burden with you. And by the way, they're all, you know, they, they're all not the same. There's some who have the capacity to do certain things and yeah. some have the capacity to do greater things. But it's about a shared leadership burden. Now, Probably most importantly, um, when I talk about my role with my closest friends, um, I describe it often as leading in tight spaces. <laughs> and all, all the executive pastors out there are nodding. 
Yes, let me unpack that for you. Leading in tight spaces. See, as a second chair leader, you're going to confront challenges that feel like you're caught between pressure from the leader above and pressure from peers and from those below. And guess who's squeezed in the middle? Woo. You are. So how do you navigate? How do you lead? For example, let me give an example. The leader above might say, you know what, man, this guy that's doing this role, I'm expecting better results from him. He's not moving fast enough. Where are we? What's going on, right? Yeah. The worst thing you could do is to just become a driver and say, hey, hey, the, you know, the boss is asking about this. Mm -hmm. You better get this done because you're out of here. All that does is it spooks people, it hurts them, and it damages your credibility. Right. You have to take the time to discover, like, what's really happening? And here lies the rub. Because when you go on your discovery, right, and you begin to talk to the person who is being um, sort of, oh, man, this guy isn't pulling their weight. Mm -hmm. this, this lady isn't pulling their weight. Um, they might tell you, I just don't have enough time. I got too much on my plate. I don't have enough budget. I don't have enough capacity to get it done. And, and by the way, can you go like lobby for me? Can you go tell the lead <laughs> pastor I need some more money in my department, right? And so you got this pressure from above, and then you got this expectation yeah. from below or from around you. See, I believe a good second chair leader is not staggered by leading in tight spaces. Hmm. They understand their primary role is to go figure out with objectivity and discover the truth. What's really happening? Oh, executive VP has a funny line. He goes, Gets all, get all the liars in the room. <laughs> and he doesn't mean that people are lying. Basically what he's recognizing is that everybody has a different version of what they think the issue is because of how they, you know, what they see from their vantage or their perspective. So you have to ask yourself the question, um, how do we help everyone get to the same level of clarity hmm. and operate with the same degree of institutional reality? Because out of that space will emerge the best course of action. So that's the goal. You're clearing the fog. You're doing the discovery. You're understanding what's the reality so that you could help people see the goal line. You ask God for wisdom daily. God, help me to discover the truth so I could serve as an objective advisor to my leader, especially when there's competing organizational agendas. So I just want to be clear about this. Your aim is not to correct the leader. Hmm. Your aim is not to go prove that they are wrong. Your aim is to clarify the truth, bring enlightenment so that they can make an informed decision. So your goal isn't to crush the souls of those you lead, but to listen, to be open, to discover, and frankly, ultimately, be an advocate for the mission of the organization and to share that burden. I love this. I, I'm taking so many notes as you're talking, David, and I, I'm sure our Avail audience is as well. I think as kind of on the final stretch here, I can't help but think um, you have such a wealth of experience and, and thank you so much for pouring, pouring this out. I mean, I, we could probably do another, another whole episode, just delving into each one of these topics. Um, but I can't help but think that you, you, some people must have poured into you for you for yes. you to be where you are today, Sam, Dr. Sam Chand says, if you ever find uh, 
a turtle on a fence. It didn't get there by its by itself, right? Uh, somebody <laughs> lifted it up, raised it up, and put it up there, right? And, and to a certain yeah. degree, I can't help but think um, there were people that were instrumental in your journey uh, to get yeah. you and lead you to where you you didn't just get here because you you're an amazing person by yourself, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I must. Uh, I cannot. If I were to recount all of the people that have poured into me because of their generosity and leadership, because of their kindness, Virgil, I wouldn't be here today. <laughs> um, I have to tell you, you know, first of all, there are two people that come to mind. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to share one of them. Hmm. And that is my first corporate experience. Um, so in this corporation, when the leader was out, you became the delegate and you had the authority to make decisions on their behalf in their mm -hmm. absence. Now I'm going back to the nineties, hmm. right? This is when we had pages. There wasn't <laughs> cell phone. There wasn't this, Hey, let's just call and find out. They're out of pocket. You're sitting in the big chair and you have to make a decision. <laughs> and man, I was, it, it, it's a scary place to be because, you know, bad decisions can lead to, to real missteps in terms of either what the organization needs or it could hurt our profitability. Yeah. And I remember this leader um, coming back and really coaching me up and saying, look, you know, why didn't you move on this one? I said, because I was, I was, you know, afraid to mess it up. And she said this to me, I'll never forget. She said, when I empower you and give you that chair, I want you to know I'm looking forward for you making the decision. The organization needs you to make a decision. And when I come back, I will never second guess your decision with the others, but I will give you the gift of perspective. I will share with you, this is how I would have thought about it. This is how I would have processed it. So what she did was she empowered me to rise up to a level that I would have never risen myself because of fear of making a mistake. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes in terms of life and leadership and growth, <laughs> but those mistakes, God has redeemed them for some of the finest learnings. I also think that, and I'm not just saying this because you're supposed to say it, um, my wife is such a good processor with me. Huh. And, you know, even in preparing for this podcast, I'm like, you know, it helped me out here. And she is this <laughs> amazing mind. And at the end of the day, it's the reason why God said you're one. Because yep. she refines my thinking. One of the things that I refused to do is particularly when I was in the church setting, I would never come home and and say anything negative about my leader. Mm -hmm. I want to protect that space for her. Oh, that's another thing a second chair person does. They protect the leadership relationship mm. with those people, and especially with my family. Wow. I wanted that church to be a safe place for her to come and worship and never think of my leader. Even when I was thinking, oh man, I think he's lost his marbles <laughs> on this day. <laughs> That's good. But, but she's been uh, just such a partner and such a help and so privileged um, to be on a journey with her. Yeah. I love this. I, you know, I think, I think everything you've shared has been so helpful to hear for me from your perspective and your experience um, and, and, you know, and everything you're saying right now, they're just key people that God places in our lives 
that help us and push us forward. Um, wow. There's so much, there's so much. We, we, we're going to have to do another one in the future, David. We're gonna have to do another episode in the future to talk more. I think there's so much more we can unpack. Um, here's what I want to do right now. I want to help people um, connect with, with you and the organization that you are a leader of, because I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by, by, by it. So what's the best way for people to connect with you and with the organization with one hope? Oh, Virgil, thank you for this opportunity. So if you love God's word <laughs> and if you are passionate or care about the next generation, um, I think you'll agree the best gift we can give them is a relationship with Christ mm. that is covered through his word. So at One Hope, that's what we do. We provide God's word to children. And you can find out more about our ministry and our work around the globe at onehope.net. That's onehope.net. And uh, we'll love to collaborate. We'll love to partner with you uh, to see more kids have an opportunity to receive God's word. So that's the best way to connect with me, Virgil. Excellent. Onehope.net, everybody. And you can get a little bit of a, of a picture of how they are making an impact on the next generation globally, onehope.net. I'm going to mention, uh, David, the Avail Journal, the Avail Leadership Magazine. This is something we like to put in people's hands. We love to uh, resource leaders. Hey, leader, if you're listening and you don't have it yet, claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal. It's on us for one year for free. Availjournal.com, availjournal.com. David, have you ever held one in your hand, one of these Avail Journals? Oh, I have one. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> It looks good. It feels good. Man, it's yeah. got great leadership content from amazing leaders. It does. Multicultural, yeah. men, women, ministry marketplace. Availjournal.com. That's where you can get that. Um, <laughs> Dave, hey, David, I, I want to do – you were going to say something? Go ahead. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to invest in leaders around the nation. Mm -hmm. Avail, that, that magazine takes a lot of hard work and effort. Yeah. And I just wanted to commend you, my friend, uh, for being such a generous leader that you are. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. I wanted to see if we could just do a, before we close things off and get a final word from you, I wanted to just do like a quick lightning round. Just just kind of first response that comes to your mind. Okay, this was this is unscripted. This is just, just kind of the first thing, right? And I'll start off with an easy one. What's something that okay. makes you laugh? What makes you laugh, David? What makes me laugh is the answer. It's the right answer, Jesus. <laughs> no, actually, what makes me laugh actually is my boys. Yeah. Um, man, they keep me on my toes. They bring such joy to my life. And so, yes, that's what makes me laugh. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> what What's something that David Branker does for fun? Um, I am learning how to play pickleball. Oh wow! So that's my that's my outlet right now. And so, um, so Virgil, if you could pray for my pickleball game, yep. appreciate it. Um, I want to get good at that. Yeah, and one day I want to play with you. We got to do it. There we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, to close things off, uh, what do you want to leave on everybody's hearts? What, what thought, what encouragement, what word, what do you want to leave in our leaders' hearts? So I want to um, leave a thought that actually I get from one of the second chair leaders that taught me a lot. His name is Charlie Munger. Charlie is 99 years old. Charlie is actually known as Warren Buffett's sidekick. He's <laughs> Warren Buffett's second chair. And most people don't know Charlie because he never tries to take the spotlight, but Charlie is a brilliant leader. And he said this, he said, good businesses are ethical businesses. 
a business model that relies on trickery is doomed to fail. Hmm. In other words, what he's saying is integrity matters. And I have found that when working closely with a primary leader, and I want to speak to executive pastors, those in the second chair, your behavior and your leadership reflects on your leader's office. Hmm. Rise up to meet it. And so perhaps most importantly, our behavior and our decisions reflect on our primary leader, Jesus Christ. Integrity matters. We're representing him well matters. You could thank Charlie Munger for that. <laughs> I was going to say that was a drop the mic moment. Hashtag Charlie Munger slash David Branker, who's bringing it to us. I love it. Uh, David, this has been awesome. Thank you for uh, taking some time uh, to share with us. On, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilburg, the whole Avail team, we just want to say thank you for being an excellent leader. Um, we honor you for your leadership, for for also bringing a perspective to us today that we don't always get to hear from that second chair leadership. We're so thankful for you, and we're proud of your of your journey. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> hey, everybody. I hope you've been encouraged by this conversation with David Breaker. Uh, this is what we do here at Avail. We, we expose you to world-class leaders who are leading in a way that honors God and that is impacting the world for God's kingdom. My name is Virgil Sierra. On behalf of Avail, lead pastor of Vertical Church, your friend, your host for these Avail podcasts. Can't wait to catch you next time. Remember, every Tuesday, a new episode pops out where we talk about leadership. So be blessed, everybody, and see you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, David Branker. You can find out more about David and One Hope by going to onehope.net. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail podcast. <laughs>